No. No chim chimney. Don't do it. Be stupid. Alright, let's just get into it. always feel so stupid starting because it's a stupid thing I'm doing. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Anna Gary Knows Everything, a show where first and foremost, above all else, I am Anna Gary. I do know everything. That's the secondary thing. It's a podcast about art. This week, we are joined by the darling, stunning, electric Natalie Nielsen Ruiz, a pal of mine from Collage, the most literate woman I know with the best opinions. And we talk about everything we read in 2021. And guess what? The girlies, the girlies can read. And we do. We are, in fact, not only feminist scholars, but feminist text ourselves. So everything we say in this podcast is good for women. If you disagree or you don't like the books, you're bad for women and how embarrassing for you we break down our favorite reads of the year we talk a little bit about our least favorites though there weren't that many stinkers the theme the theme of this podcast is the wonderful tweet natalie sent me by at m oh god m kelly styles Okay, it's like angelic, but there's no. What? What? What is it? I got so confident. It was like an, uh, an angelic. It's like angelic, but with a Q where the G would be. And then styles S T I L E S. I'm so sorry. Whatever. Can we normalize saying we love a book without remembering anything about it? And I think Natalie and I work to do just that. I think normalizing uh, having no memory is really important for the culture, and I think it's brave. It's brave and strong. We give some special awards to books that deserved a little extra. We goof and we gab, and we're pretty. So yeah, that's that. Here are all the books that we read. We've read a lot of books. This has got very confrontational. I don't, for the past two days, all I've been thinking about is when <laughs> that scene from Community where the Dean comes in dressed as a peanut bar and he does the peanut bar rap and then it gets off the rails and then he goes, I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that, <laughs> and that's how I am today. Here's the podcast. One time I heard one of my coworkers say, tell you talking about someone else that they broke up with somebody because he went to clown school or like he was currently in clown school. And all my coworkers were like, yeah, that's obviously mm -hmm. when you break up with someone. And I was like, what's wrong with you people? I'd go to clown school in a heartbeat. I'm not in your camp. I would not go to clown <laughs> school and I would break up with anyone who went to clown school. I don't know why I thought you'd be on my side. <laughs> No, I'm so sorry. It's just, it's hard because, like, I'm not a cool person. So, like, if someone did something that, like, that I was with, did something so uncool like that, I would be like, I, like, people are going to know that I'm so uncool if I date this person. You know what I mean? <laughs> they but drag also, you down with the ship, is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't, yeah, no, I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I have a reputation. 
Um, <laughs> I don't, if you describe, if you had is. to describe your reputation in one word, what would it be? <laughs> um, apologetic. <laughs> like I don't know that I like. Sometimes I think about my life, and I'm like, I've never done anything wrong. And then sometimes, I'm like, oh boy, and regardless of whatever feeling I have, I'm, oh, I apologize for it. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we love to see a woman apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you're right. I should fix that. When you put it that way, you, when you frame it in a feminist lens, <laughs> I'm going to fix that. I'm, I'm really trying to turn my life into a feminist text, so I need to start figuring some <laughs> yeah. shit out. I know, but sometimes I'm just so silly. <laughs> it's hard to work with. <laughs> How, how would you describe your year in reading? My reading year can be described with the sentence, I will not read anything that I do not like. <laughs> See, so I should have done that. <laughs> yeah, and I got to tell you, one of the best reading years of my life, I feel like every time there was a book that bored me, I said, you know what? No, I'm not finishing this. Like, even if I was really like close to being done. And I mean, that didn't really happen because I could, I could feel things out before I got to the end. But mm -hmm. if I didn't like something, I was like, no, for whatever reason. Even if it got hype on the internet, I said, no, thank you. With the exception of like three novels that will be highlighted today. Thank you. And I, yeah, yeah. I worry. honestly think that's brave of you. It was brave. <laughs> it was profound. And if I look at it with a feminist lens, <laughs> it was incredibly insightful. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know if... <laughs> I've ever truly started a book and then went mm, and then walked away. I have. I actually have one on my desk right now. But I didn't read this in 2021, but I actually don't know how to say this name. So maybe I shouldn't be reading it up. But this author, have you read this? Exciting Times? No. By, I don't, I don't know how to say this name. It looks like Louise, but it's, I have yeah. an Irish author that I had to look up their name. Because <laughs> I was yeah, like. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to butcher it on this audio message because I, I do respect them. And, and their writing, I can tell they're a good writer, but something about it made me feel like I was dying slowly. <laughs> and I said, no, it's just such, it was so bleak and I just can't handle mm. bleak right now, you know? See, I, I open a book, I'm either feeling it or I'm not, or I'm ambivalent, but I, I cannot stop myself from powering through. Like you can tell I had a hard time reading a book, number one, if I read both a physical copy and an audiobook. If I like combined mm. them and switch back and forth, because if I'm really stuck on like a physical book, I listen to the audiobook, I play it like one and a half, one point seven five speed, and like let's just keep it moving. Or if it took me three weeks or more to read, that means I had a hard time reading it. <laughs> I mean, I don't that's interesting. I don't read audiobooks um or listen to audiobooks because mm -hmm. I my brain just wanders like nobody's business. The yeah. last audiobook I tried to listen to was the um what was it? You know what Days I'm of abandonment. About. The days, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't get through it. I and I read the book and I thought it was awesome. But and then when we yeah, talked about I it, I was it. like, you know what? Natalie knows a lot more about what happened in this book than I do. Who <laughs> listened yeah. to the audio? You know what? You know what? There's something to that. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're wrong, but no, yeah. But with it, it's the it's lens, nice. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but with a feminist lens, I've never done anything wrong. Yeah, I've never <laughs> done anything bad in my life. Yeah, that's actually, what are, I'm going to carry that into this year. Feminist lens, but I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay, I'm going to get in to just some of get into it. my data. 
Feel free to interject because there's so much of it. I'll just keep talking. Okay. All right. I will interject. <laughs> so in 2021, I read 83 books. It's so absolutely <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. And it, with a feminist lens, bad for women. <laughs> You're setting a standard that's unachievable. And it's unachievable. Yeah, let women do other things. <laughs> okay, sorry, keep going. Sorry, I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Last year, I read 101 books. Yeah, even more gross. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I read 83 books, a cumulative total of 22,977 pages. Yeah, um, in a cool way. <laughs> seven of the books were translations. I think I had like four that were originally Italian, one that was French, and two that were Japanese. Just saying, I'm a cultured icon. Um, the oldest book <laughs> I read, oh, I didn't even write it down, but I think it, it was from the 1960s, um, The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. I said, no more. I, I go back to the 60s and then I stop. And then <laughs> I actually did manage to read a bunch of books that came out last year. I read 28 books that were published in 2021. That's so cool. And that's probably because you work at the bookstore, right? That is because I work at the bookstore. There's some stuff that I have advanced access to that's mm -hmm. free. And I, if I ask nicely, someone on the buying team will go to the publisher and be like, Anna wants this book before it comes out. And they'll be like, okay. And then they'll mail me a copy of it. Oh my God, like not for I everything, but for like yeah, a good amount of, of books, if I like know where to look and I know what's coming out, I can be like, can I have it early? Like that's how I got the new Alina Ferrante early. Cause I asked nicely and they were like, sure. Send it to her three months you early. You texted me about that. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're like I got this book early I was like that's not even on my radar yet you're like I know because it's early that's so cool <laughs> well I'm learning about publishers and what publishers and prints and literary prints I like like yeah. it's it's a whole new ball game also if you're I don't know if, I guess it's not every bookseller but for a lot of booksellers there's this app called Libro FM and every month yes. they're like hey, here's the fresh new batch of audiobooks that are coming out soon. Do you want them? Literally take them. And so then I go, okay. Whoa. So that's how I read a bunch of those too. Yeah. That's cool. That doesn't apply to me again because the audiobook thing, but I <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, if you that's are an audiobook kid. Right? I, yeah, I would recommend uh, Libro FM. I've only used it in like the bookseller, give me stuff for free context. But I can't imagine it's much different than Audible, and it's not owned yeah. by Amazon. And That's I think what I was you, say, yeah, I know. I think there's yeah. a way to do it. Like when you sign up to be like, oh, this is my local bookstore. A, po a portion of what I pay is going to go to them in some way. So ah, cool. that's a cool thing. I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. Um, the shortest book I read. So remember when I said 83 books, and you're like, Anna, that's so many. Literally, how the shortest yeah. book I read was 40 pages. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're a four zero. So let's keep Which that in mind. Which honestly is great for women. That is great for women. That's great. And the book, the book itself, I would say, is a feminist text, a classic in the making. It came out this year. It's called Mouthpieces by Emer McBride. That's the Irish name I had to look up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's spelled E I M E A R. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and it's just three short, separate pieces, each depicting quote. A fragment of the female experience and then basically i just <laughs> copied the goodreads summary of the book because i was like they say it better than i could 
Um, one of the stories is about an inner voice of a woman who saves her troubled, dangerous partner. The next is about a woman who is quizzed about her reaction to a man's death. Interesting. Ooh. The third involves this character, the eye, who tells of her own imprisonment, flickering through a slideshow of female stereotypes. A Interesting. Slideshow. A slideshow. I love that description. <laughs> Um, so I liked it. It was 40 pages. I could not answer a single follow-up question. I read it in one day months ago at work because it was there. Totally. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like the fevered way you read this year. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, read, I finished a lot of books at work. There were multiple books that I did not get from the library. I did not buy. I just picked them off the shelf at work. I sat and I read them. And then when I was done with my shift, I put it back on the shelf. And I did that until I was done with the book. Wow. Okay. Anyway, the longest book I read was 771 pages. It was The Goldfinch by Miss Donna Tart. So don't say I don't have range. Um, you do have range. And I'm like, first of all, your longest book, I'm looking at my... Well, I don't have the same stats as you because I, I used Goodreads, which is owned by Amazon. I'm so sorry. Um, I will change my ways. But <laughs> your longest book is like 300 pages longer than my longest book. So don't, you're, you are flexing a little bit. <laughs> in fairness, I did start that one in December of 2020. Oh my God, you're a like, cheat. Oh I'm my a cheat. God. I'm a cheat and a fraud. Um, but I did finish it in 2021. Whenever I finish a book, that's when it goes on the calendar. Um, I agree. I agree. I really liked The Goldfinch. Have you read any Donna Tart? Yeah, I read um, The Secret History, which I think is so cool. I love it. I love The Secret History. I didn't know if Donna could keep me hanging on for 771 pages, but gosh, she did. Um, <laughs> here's, here's a loose plot summary. There's a little boy, broken home, kaboom, steals a painting, and it all goes to shit. So that's basically the book <laughs> and you spend the first chunk of it with like i think he's like eight to twelve somewhere in there that's our main character and then there's a big time jump to adulthood and i was like no way like you can't take my little baby theo away i love him to death and i want to hold him under my wing but she did the time jump she stuck the landing tens across the board and i loved it i like the way she writes, it just ignites something in me. And I'm like, I have to, I need all of this. Like you ever, <laughs> maybe, I don't know if this is unrelatable, but you ever like in <laughs> love with a person and you're like, it's not enough to be near you. I want my skin like in your skin. Like I want to be inside of you. You know, I, I want to crawl to in your mouth you. and live there like a puppet. <laughs> you really lost me at the puppet mouth thing, but I don't know, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyway, that's what Donna Tartt does to me. I, I mean, I think she's an incredible writer. I just like, yeah, I'm honestly daunted by the amount of pages of that book. So th this has been a, a good pitch. I, we will see <laughs> if my 2022 contains the goldfinch. Isn't it a movie with, um, what's her name? <laughs> Ansel know? Elgort? Oh my God, him. Ew, ew, ew. I know. Him. Not him. That's not who I was thinking of. I was oh. thinking of only women. Who was I thinking of? The, who's Australian? Who married Tom Cruise? I hate to diminish her this way. Nicole Kidman. Yes, <laughs> isn't she in that movie? I don't I know. I'm pretty sure she is. Really, I have not to for long. You. She's not in for long. I, I mean, mean right. I can't watch that movie. Yeah. I, I first of all, I heard it was a bad movie. Second of all, Ansel Elgort, okay. icky. Who cares? Icky, gross. Yeah, I don't like. Him. Boo! Get him out of my face. Yeah. Um, my average <laughs> book length was 276 pages. Oh wait, let me look at mine. 
Wait, do you want me to like share my stats alongside yours? Can I? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So I read fifty books this year to keep oh. to catch the folks up. I yeah, I know. Pretty pretty impressive for me. I read fifteen thousand eighty four pages, and um, my shortest book was one hundred and forty pages. So you know, I'm not a cheat. And then my longest book was four hundred and forty eight pages. And what were those books? Um, the shortest book was The Lost Daughter, which I recently finished. Oh, um, that's like the one of hers that I haven't read. Oh my, how? It's a movie now. Actually, I was just going to say, I, it's very obvious, I'm sure. I read almost like solely because I want to read a book before the movie comes out. Yeah. It's my main motivation. That's why I haven't watched the movie yet, because I have to read the book. Yeah, exactly. Like literally, that's the only, like, I, think, I think that's the only novel of hers that I have not read yet. But I did read, yeah. I did read three books of hers last year. And then I already read one this year. So I'm catching up. Yeah, no, for sure. My longest book was actually The Nightingale, which was a book I didn't really like, The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. And it gets a lot of like um, praise and I just didn't really like it, honestly. Um, I didn't hate it, I still like it. My average book length was 301 pages. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, now we're caught up. Continue. And this is on my Goodreads data. So I have been using Goodreads for a few years. I recently got pitched StoryGraph, and I was like, you know what? I will I will make the jump. I'm a little scared, but I know I need to. So. It's a little scary, but you can import all your Goodreads data. It's not that hard. It takes like, a bit, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> but the way they show you your, your little data, I think it's lovely. And it's not owned by Amazon, so another plus. <laughs> That's the biggest person. <laughs> That's the theme of the show. <laughs> That's the only reason I would bother, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the popularity of my books, and this is based on how many people shelved it on Goodreads. The most popular book I read was Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari, which I really liked. It was very good. Really? It was fun. Huh. Yeah. It was, okay. I was surprised that he kept me paying attention, which I guess with like a nonfiction book that popular, you're like, okay, it has to be good. Because like the general public, they don't, they don't, they don't do it like I do. You know, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. See, this is how much my attitudes change. Cause you said that sentence and I was like, no, yeah, I wouldn't even read it. It needs to grab me. I don't want to just be somewhat amused. You know what I mean? Literally, I just, I just walk around and I go, oh, maybe I'll read that. And then I do. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and I can't answer any questions about it. Cause like I read it and I know what happened, but also immediately right. lose my brain. <laughs> This yeah, constant yeah. renewal going in and out of me. The least popular book I read, which is unsurprising because it's pretty new. And I, I don't, I doubt it had like a big, big release. It's called Aiden Shaw's Penis. And it's edited by <laughs> Harriet Birkinshaw. Okay. <laughs> I picked it up off our like advanced reader galley shelf. Because I was like, yeah. okay, I'm interested. Tell me more. It's also like hot pink and yellow. And I was like, sure, what's this? Um, the cover just, will grab you, for sure. I read so many things based off the cover. Yeah, sorry. And I'm not going to apologize for it. No, I can't. There's not too many books. What am I supposed to do? Sorry. Something's got to grab me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so this book features 12 different pieces, some fiction, some nonfiction, all about the idea of the censor. So each of the, each of them is written by a different person from like all around the world. And they all take like a very different look at that theme. You have some of like the classic, oh, we can't let people read these books. Like they'll freak mm-hmm. out. I need to like control it. 
So we have that from like the government perspective. We have that from the people actually doing the censoring and how they're like, I feel like everything I'm doing is maybe meaningless, but I guess I'm going to keep doing it. I don't know. We have like a nonfiction article, article, I don't know, hmm. about someone who grew up in like, uh, <laughs> where the, in a country, in a time period where the media was like super censored. And he was like, okay, all right, I guess we're doing this. We have one that deals with like the censorship of oneself to try to make other people more comfortable, which I thought was a yeah. very interesting take. Cause I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. But I, I always just think of like book burnings, you know, which is, yeah, yeah. but it goes beyond that or like censorship of the self for one's own safety. And I was like, interesting. Like, is it always bad? You know, cause we immediately think censorship bad, but it's like, let's look at it from much different ways. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I liked cool. it a lot. Let me see, that is very interesting. Let me see what my most popular was. Oh, my most popular was The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, which I, I just, I didn't really, I don't know. I love historical fiction, but for some reason I don't think the genre the genre is very consistent for me like they they introduced a love story and then it wasn't a very strong love story and then they added a lot I mean it was a world war ii story but they added a lot of like traumatic events at the end it was just like I don't know if it was the wrong time I know people love this book but it wasn't for me um, see I just googled it and looking at the cover I would never read this book this is the kind of cover that I would uh-uh no. Yeah. I mean, and the only reason I read it is because people said they loved it. That's why I was yeah. honestly, I was shocked that I didn't like it. But you know, you live, you learn, <laughs> judge books by their cover. Um <laughs> my least popular actually was Self-Care by Lee Stein. Mm -hmm. And that book rocks. That is was a um a sat a satirical um novel about curl boss culture. And it was that funny. Sounds good. It was excellent. Yeah, it was a quick read. It was hilarious. It was um a good laugh. If you're ever on the internet, you'll get it. <laughs> so see, I was looking through your Goodreads to see what you read, to see what we had in common, which we'll get to yeah. later. And I oh, saw that and I, and I said, I love this cover. I hope it comes <laughs> off in conversation. <laughs> the yeah, cover made no, me want to read it. It was a good cover. It's definitely great. It wasn't my favorite book of the year, but I had a great time. Yeah. Great time. <laughs> the first book I finished in 2021 was The Goldfinch, which we already talked about. The last book I finished was Halo Fall of Reach by Eric S. Nyland, which, yes, is a novelization of the video game Halo. Oh, my God. It's a free fall. Yeah. When you sent me your data and there was like a percentage that said video games, I was like, what the hell is going on over there? <laughs> like, here's... I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> See, here's what happened. I, <laughs> my darling boyfriend, who is a man, regrettably, handed me that book, which he owns. He spent money on that. And he said, here, read this. Pretend it's not a video game book. Just like, but I like that aside, I think it is a good science fiction book. I think you would like it. And I said, I, I know. I okay. Like <laughs> <laughs> and I am already not a sci-fi person. It's a hard mm. sell. And the thing is, it was not a bad book. It was, it wasn't. Was it for me? No, obviously I'm not the audience for that. And sometimes yeah. they started fighting and I was like, who cares? Cause they're all like, oh my this gosh, don't get gun me did this. And this space gun went like this. And I was like, I don't care. I but don't care about fine. action in books and movies. I think I mentioned this, even in Harry Potter, when they play Quidditch, I tune out, I zone out. It's Action it's, does not do it for me. And no, yeah. Is that 
empowering in a way. Uh, yes. maybe, maybe <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> a little, a little bit. Yes. Yes. And here's where, you know, I, I offer a gentle critique and also an, um, an invitation to my lifestyle now, which is that you must put down books. You do not like that much. And if people try to force you to read something, be really upfront with them and say, Hey, no, <laughs> even if you're in love with them so okay that's okay feminism. <laughs> but here no, no no here's what makes it feminist i said all i right, will read right. this book i promise you i will read this book but you have to read one of my favorite books and he said uh, okay, okay i will do that for you and do you know what book i picked know my oh, name yeah, by right. chanel miller which it's may be the oh, exact oh opposite of halo fall of reach <laughs> i believe it i believe it i believe it I knew we were going to talk about Know My Name. Absolutely. Well, wow. I handed him the copy of the book that I told him to buy for me last year. And I handed <laughs> it back to him and I said, you read this. And he yes. said, okay. And it, he's, he's that, working through it. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's a great book. Can we talk about that later? Can we put a pin in it? We do have to put say, a pin in that. Yeah. And I mean, I'll oh, no, it's, it I have it later on here. Um, yeah. um, my first book of 2021 was The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett which so good everyone everyone knows about it's good i'm not i won't talk about it like just look it up <laughs> it's great and it's going to be turned into an hbo series so there you oh, go you're informed and then the last book i read of the year was queenie by candace carthy williams and it was actually incredible it was really good i love see it. i've never read that but i feel like i see it all the time i know i'm supposed yeah. to read it i know it's supposed to be good i'll get around yeah. to it <laughs> i thought it was going to be kind of like a like almost like a chick flick but it really mm -hmm. wasn't it ended up it had elements of that and then it ended up being something a little bit like deeper and really interesting and yeah it was really good i recommend it it was fun nice. and now that i transferred all my data over to storygraph they gave me a little extra insight that goodreads just couldn't do um my top <laughs> moods for my 2021 reads were reflective oh. <laughs> I don't know what that means, <laughs> but my top mood was reflective. Second runner up, not second runner up, second place, first runner up was informative. That's my mood. <laughs> um, so I don't have story graph. I, if I had to guess what my moods would be, considering how many romance novels I read this year, this really was the year of the romance novel for me. I'm <laughs> sure my number one root mood was like corny. Quite on accident, Flirty. I have to say. Yeah, but it <laughs> it is the case. <laughs> 57% <laughs> of my reading was nonfiction, which I did not know. That's a That's lot. Messed up. I've always been a novel girly. I was so intimidated by yeah. nonfiction for so long, but it turns yeah. out I can read it and I'm not stupid. Interesting. Okay. Well, I know, no one thought you were stupid, but I didn't know you could read nonfiction. <laughs> so yeah, 57% was nonfiction, to which I said to myself, I'm an educated icon. And then I scrolled yeah. a little further and my top genre was memoir. And I was like, okay, <laughs> so maybe that's not really a scholarly text. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I do love a memoir and it's not the same I... as like reading about science, so. <laughs> yeah, like, did yeah. I also read the history of humanity and sapiens? Yeah, but did I yeah, read 16 memoirs? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a lot of memoirs and I read them all. <laughs> I think it's also important for the people to keep in mind that how many memoirs are released in a year. And I can only imagine that if you are in a bookstore, how much pressure there would be to read those memoirs. Am I, am I hitting the nail on the head there? I folks? feel like there's not that much pressure. I feel like to read anything because everyone just kind of does their own thing regardless. 
like I feel like I I'm I'm one of the people who reads the most mm-hmm. at, at least at my location brag um <laughs> the girl who reads more than me wrote read like 200 books last year and i was like what you're like, you like some it. of them are really long but she does she does love a, a foreign novella so you know they're not all that long that's the trick <laughs> start reading a poetry collection find a 120 page book like boost those numbers <laughs> there's a way to yes. do it and while we're on the topic of me being a scholar i just found out yeah. that if you have a brooklyn library public library card you have free access to jstor did you know that? No. Like, I don't I know. I live in Brooklyn, though, so how would I know that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> if you want any article, hit me up. I, I, New York right, Public cool. Library probably does it, too, but I just didn't do it through them. Right. Um, okay, I it. Not that I'm, like, on JSTOR all the time, but I was I just started <laughs> this book about Martha Graham, and one of the footnotes was like, oh, by the way, basically everyone who knows agrees that she did not actually write her autobiography and i was like you know i've heard a rumor about this i need to look into it more and there was this jstor article that he referenced and i was like done i read it it was great so (laughs) done (laughs) i was like okay i'll meet you there (laughs) continue further yeah i'll see you there (laughs) um my top author as i mentioned was elena ferrante my girl my queen my love of course it was i don't know if i had a top author i assume that it was a tie between talia hibbert mary hk Choi, and helen Wong because they all wrote three books that i really dove into this year so i think it's all all of those <laughs> that's fun the author who came in second was amanda montel i read two books of hers one that actually came out this year the first one I read, which is one of my first books I finished this year, is called uh, Word Slut. And it's so oh. good. She is a linguist. She is educated. And she's like, let's look at language through a feminist lens. Oh, my let's, God. Let's oh look at the way God. language intersects with gender. And like the thing that I keep thinking about is how she broke down all these things that are seen as like feminine ways of speaking things like upspeak, things like vocal fry, like Mm. saying like, like hedging, which is where you kind of soften Mm. your statements, like checking in with people, talking over each other, gossiping, all that stuff Mm -hmm. that we as a society have decided is stupid because we don't like women. And she's like, okay, here's the reason why we do these things. These are not inherently bad things. Like just telling women, stop being like that. Be more like men if you want anyone to give a shit about you is not actually, in my opinion, Maybe not the woke <laughs> best advice you think it is. Like, hey, if it's a survival tactic, let it be your survival tactic, but don't think you need to change sure. anything about yourself. Yeah, because if you think I'm going to stop speaking in vocal fry, you're absolutely incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. Also, because yeah, no one hates men wrong. when they vocal fry. It's like exactly. hot when a man vocal fries. No, okay. Like, he just woke up. I'm like, he's sleepy all the time. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, if you think I'm not going to add, uh, do up speak either, check yourself. It's very fun <laughs> to be this way. I'm just floating around with my smart little brain in this little floaty language. <laughs> Maybe consider that you're wrong. Do you think about Maybe? that? Maybe. <laughs> she also she talked about how gossip is actually good for society and we should all be doing it and i was like yes because i I love gossip i think it's so important i don't remember the whole like thrust of her point but a big part of it was 
like it's a bonding thing bonding's good we're social creatures and it helps kind of set a standard for what behavior we accept so if you're like oh my god did you hear jenny just like hit a cat with her car and ran away you'd be like oh my god that's really fucked up and it's like you know what and i shouldn't do that you're like you got it (laughs) don't be like jenny (laughs) don't be like jenny it's frowned upon yeah you know what i'm really on board with that i love to gossip i love that my actions are supported because i do it all the time and i always went you know friends will be like we shouldn't gossip like my new year's resolution is to not talk about others my mom did that this year she was like we shouldn't talk about other people and i was like what do you mean what else is there to talk about life is so boring otherwise like gossip is essential especially lately i can't get into it i i might tell you a little bit later um okay (laughs) but i am like three degrees removed from some very messy situations i am hanging on it just everything yeah what's it like to be blessed like that wow wow it's amazing because i'm far enough removed (laughs) that i'm like this is a little tv show i'm watching (laughs) sometimes so as you know i work at a bridal shop and so sometimes with like these people i've never met i'll be like (laughs) i'll try to like change the tone i'll be like hey like just between you and me and then i'll tell them about a friend i have and they'll be like no way and i'm like yeah and it doesn't matter. I'm like, I'm never going to see these people again. And we just had a really great moment. <laughs> That's funny. I love doing I that at work, but being really vague about who I'm talking about. Because I'm just talking, like, <laughs> to my coworkers. And I'm just like, you know, I have this friend who... <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, then, then they're on my side. And they're like, oh, my God, they should break up. I was like, thank you. That's what I've been exactly. saying. <laughs> it's insane. You get um, And the other Amanda, Amanda Montel book I read this year that came out this year is called cultish which looks at the language cults use it was just super interesting and she looks at all different kinds of cults from the classic like jonestown to like fitness influencers to fancy gyms to crossfit like to mlms like the whole thing and i thought it was really good and she's obviously a smart lady who knows her research and it's just a very different way of looking looking at all this stuff and she always does it with empathy and with care and she like makes it very clear that like hey people in cults are not stupid like what kind of cult wants a bunch of dumb people they don't they want winners (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like how fair is that yes i'm on board (laughs) i have a question what was your favorite book of the year oh we're getting to that are we? Okay, are we saving it for the end? Where's it coming? I'm so curious. We're saving it near or the end. Now I'm on to page okay. two of my notes where I oh wrote <laughs> I wrote the header, any stinkers, question mark, <laughs> where nice. I would like to open the floor to talk about the worst stuff we read this year. So it seems okay, like you didn't absolutely. like that long book. Was there anything else that like didn't hit? Dude, for sure. Um, So here's the thing. I quit books that I hate. So it's not like I hate any of these things. I think it's important for me to say that because I do have respect for authors in general. Are there Um, some books that you stopped like really soon that you're like, "Uh uh-uh? Like what were some of the books you dropped? Honestly, (laughs) there weren't that many because Mm -hmm. I have good initial taste. (laughs) But there is one that I did. I do. I'm not, I'm not joking. There's one that I did finish that I I truly was just so, I hate when I'm so lukewarm about a book. And that book was Malibu Rising by Taylor Mm. Jenkins Reid, which is, and it was so strange because people love this book. Like 
it won a Goodreads Choice Award winner, which makes me think the people have spoken. I have a friend who really liked it, a friend who is smart and beautiful. Um, But I really, I just, it didn't, because they kept like teasing me with this little secret. And then they revealed the secret and I was like, that's it. And I was like, hmm, okay, am I supposed to care about that? And I just never once did. <laughs> so yeah, that's my review of Malibu Rising, which I don't know. Maybe it'd be, it would probably be a more interesting TV series. <laughs> Look at me. I'm just like, how could we make this in the cinema? But yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't like the book. <laughs> that's fair. I haven't really heard much about that one. I've heard, I think I've heard the most about The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which was her yeah, 2017 yeah. book. I've heard a lot about that, that people liked it. I've also heard a lot of good things about her 2019 book, Jay-Z, Daisy Jones and the Six. I haven't read I mean, either. People love her. But like, people love her. People love her. Like, so she's I been love- putting out like a book a year for a while yeah. and like doing well I, with them. Oh yeah, they're always top sellers. And I actually yeah. do want to read those other books, but after Malibu Rising, I'm like, do I? So that was very <laughs> disappointing. I know that's harsh, but again, I have good taste, so I can't just... I just pick up any old book. Now, as I was saying earlier, the Halo book, I was lukewarm to. It actually had more going on than I anticipated. There was more character than I was, like, giving it credit for. So that was good. But, you know, it wasn't just fight, fight, fight. (laughs) I was like, is this just going to be, like, a shooty, shooty book? But it wasn't. Like, it wasn't bad. If you like, if you are a video, if you are a gamer, um, maybe check it out. There's, like, 30 books they oh, have I know a very you're not talking to me directly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not a gamer. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. But you're right, you're right. Tell the tell the people. Tell the people listening. Anyway, according to my boyfriend, they have a very fleshed out, um, I don't even just a world in general. Like it's very planned out, it's very elaborate. There's a million games, there's a million books. I don't know. If you care about the extended universe, that's there. <laughs> I'm an ally. Hello. Anyway, to the extended universe fans, we, we are with you. I stand with you. <laughs> I stand with you, but a little ahead. Yeah, ahead just a little bit in front. Um, <laughs> you're just hanging off my sleeve like a snotty child. <laughs> anyway, the worst book I read this year, objectively, was Christopher's Diary: Secrets of Foxworth, Dollinger Number Six by V.C. Andrews. Oh my god, what is that? This <laughs> this is the same woman who wrote Flowers in the Attic, if you've heard of it. Huh? I have heard of that. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> there they made a lifetime movie about Flowers in the Attic. I think like the second or third one, this second or third TV movie they made off that book in like 2014, I think. And I so I'd yeah. see the ads for it and I was like, oh my god, this looks so amazing. And I was entranced <laughs> by it. It had a hold over me. Yeah. So I I watched the TV movie with my mom and I was like, this is just wacky. Um, and then I read the <laughs> book and I was like, okay. I was just scandalized because I love gossip. I love mess. I love grandma's locking the kids in the attic. All right. Is that what I'm that movie's about? Yes. The husband of the family dies in a car crash, I think. And then mommy runs back to her rich parents, who she's estranged from, and says, please, can I live here? And then grandma's like, we're putting the kids in the attic. And spoiler, the reason she's estranged is because the mom married her half-uncle. 
Okay. He married her dad's <laughs> step little half brother, I think. And okay. so then they're like, you have devil children. But then, oh my god, the trick, the the the, whoo, the kicker is that when you put all the kids in the attic, the two older ones start getting the thing on. Oh my god. It's a mm. fucked up little book. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds really bananas. I don't like it at all. <laughs> so anyway, I read the sixth book in that series. I read the first and the sixth, and I was like, I'll get it. And this one, it wasn't even written by V.C. Andrews. It was ghostwritten, as have most of the books been uh, by this point, because she died a long time ago. It was objectively bad. It was poorly written. It was sexist. It was unoriginal. It basically, basically the plot is a girl in... It seems like present day. I think it came out like 2014, 2016, 2015. I, I had a hard time figuring out what year it was, though, just based on the on the world. I was like, I don't know where I am anymore. <laughs> also, I looked up the ghostwriter. He's like a 70 or 80 year old man. I was like, this is making sense that this is <laughs> it's bad. all coming together. <laughs> it's coming together. So basically, the whole premise is that this teenage girl finds the notebook of Christopher, the older bro brother in the attic, and then reads it. And so half of the book is just her reading what happened in the attic. But I'm like, we already know what happened in the attic. I read the book. <laughs> read that book. <laughs> and I saw the movie. <laughs> I did see the movie. And you know what? They're like, okay, so you know how the original book was told from the girl's perspective, the teenage daughter in the attic. What if we did it from a man's perspective? Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cute? Anyway, so it was bad. Uh, there were a few typos in it. Love seeing that. But it did send me on a spiral where I read the Wikipedia page of the full original series and things just get out of hand. There's crate. It's it's bananas. Everyone's getting paralyzed and dying and there's fires and then there's another fire and then the mom comes back and then. Ah. Anyway, I might read all of them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Just the originals. Wow. I'm not going into this nonsense. I'm going to read the original five that were mostly yeah. written by V.C. Andrews. Yeah, that could be interesting. I, I agree. With um, that position. The other book that I did not like was Do Everything in the Dark by Gary Indiana. First of all, fake ass name. What are you hiding? Second of all, Gary Indiana is a place. It's a place. <laughs> um, I don't I don't even know if it's fair to say that I disliked this book. I was pretty ambivalent to it. But then I flipped to the back to see the author photo, and it looks just like convicted murderer Robert Durst. <laughs> he looks and just like him. Sure, and that that is that's really been creeping me out and haunting me for months. Yeah, and really colored it. my reading of the text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's not his fault. He looks like this murderer, but. You know, but maybe, maybe, but maybe, yeah, maybe like that there. and the fake name Gary Indiana. I was like, you're I don't have this much faith. I'd also had just watched the miniseries, the HBO miniseries about Robert Durst, the jinx. So I I was yeah. he was on my mind. Really? Anyway, so those are my least favorite books <laughs> of the year. <laughs> OK, fair. Yeah. I mean, honestly, after that, I'm not going to read those. I can say that with full confidence. <laughs> Um, I've been warned. All right, now I'm ready to get into my favorites. Okay, I'm excited. Okay, 
So I wrote down like 30 books and I was like, we can't talk about all of these. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I liked a lot of things. I liked a lot of books and I'm not sorry for it. Um, so I'm just going to rattle off some titles that we don't have time to talk about, but I liked them a lot. Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. And if you hear me trying to start talking about them, I want you to make it stop. You need to make it end. Okay. 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 The Dutch House. Tina Bausch, The Biography. The Bluets, not sure how to pronounce it. It's B-L-U-E-T-S, good book. Talk, art, small things like these. How to do nothing. What I talk about when I talk about running. Breast and eggs, the right to sex, state of the union, the silence, heart berries, are prisons obsolete? Notes from the bathroom line. Those are my honorable mentions. I will not answer any further questions. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I love a little title drop. You have good taste. Everyone will know that you have a recommendation for those books. Yes, yes. <laughs> I also <laughs> was like, I'll rattle off all the author names too. And I was like, Anna, you have to draw a line somewhere. It's out of hand. <laughs> I'm going to continue a little bit before I let you get into your special awards because I Wonderful. ended up ranking Thank a top you. 13. All right, <laughs> you cheater. <laughs> I know, I know. I did, I could, it was like stressing me out last night. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Okay, so recalling back to my former dance pageant days, I here is where I would call up my top 13 books to all stand in a line um, before announcing the runners up. So these are in no particular order, but they are not the runners up. Okay. So they're the top 13, but they're not the runners up. In no particular order, All My Puny Sorrows by Miriam Taves. This is a fiction book. It's about two sisters. One of the sisters is like a famed concert pianist and has had a history with self-harm and a bunch of suicide attempts. And it's just such a good book. And I have not stopped thinking about it since I read it. And I can't even tell you why. Um, I also read, read that. Um, The Other Black Girl by Zakia Dalila Harris. Did you read that one? I didn't, but it is on hold at the library for me right now. I loved it. It was, I think, described on the cover as like Stepford Wives meets Get Out. And I'd say that's a pretty fair assessment. I like, I remember finishing the audiobook and I gasped aloud. I was like, what? No! <laughs> <laughs> it had me all shooken up very good book <laughs> next on the list the immortal soul salvage yard by beth may this is a book of poetry i know beth may because i listen to her on a D, &D podcast and <laughs> i think i think she's so funny on that that i was like let's see what her poetry's like and it hit so hard i made it my staff pick at work i've gotten two people to buy it that's my influence just saying <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'm not a big poetry kid. I'm trying to get more into it, but I opened it up. I started flipping through it to try and like write something down to pitch it to, to the people. And then I started crying at work and I was like, I can't do this right now, Beth. I just think it's so good. Um, she gets into kind of like her history with her mental health issues and like being a woman in society. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's really good. And she really plays with like the shape of the poem using different fonts, using handwriting, using color, using shape that I think makes it more accessible to someone who's like intimidated by poetry. Yeah. Moving on, Intimacies by Katie Kitamura. This also came out this year. It's really good. It's a weird little book. There's this woman, she is in wherever the Hague is. I forgot, Europe. 
and she is a translator. So part of the book is her translating for this like African president or leader about all his war crimes. So that's part of it. And then it's also someone she ends up knowing got like mugged like really violently. And then it's also like this one romantic relationship. I, I don't think I can pitch it well, <laughs> but I do really like it. And it's a pretty yeah. short book. Moving on, A Little Devil in America by Hanif Abdurraqib. I've never read any of his stuff before. He puts out a ton of stuff about like culture and music and it's just so good. It looks at all these different facets of black performance from the traditional, like we're talking like rap music from like blackface to also just being a black person and existing in society and how there is a performative element to that as well. I thought it was very good. I loved it. I am eager to read more of his stuff. Okay, last on the top 13 not runner-ups is The Assassination of Fred Hampton by Jeffrey Hawes. Fred Hampton was one of like the top leaders, very influential in the Black Panther Party, and the FBI had him assassinated with uh, the help of the Chicago police, and then they tried to do a big cover-up, and this book is written by one of the lawyers who was there throughout the whole time trying to get justice for Fred Hampton, and it's a really good book, and man it's a bad country we're in yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure. okay do some of yours now you go <laughs> okay great let's let's dive in so i didn't again i read so many good books this year and i didn't feel right to choose a top 10 because that was a fifth of what i read and it just felt like too many almost so i did a few little awards so i won't say my favorite book i already told you the worst book yeah but oh my god let's so, save our favorites for the same time okay yes i will I no spoilers um, okay. no spoilers no spoilers so one of my favorites of the year and i i gave this put this in the category of best ya novel because sometimes i read a ya novel sometimes i like it i put a tie between emergency contact and yolk both by the author mary hk Choi. this is an author i discovered this year her YA novels read not really like YA like obviously I know they're meant for like maybe a younger audience but they feel super adult in the way they handle the emotions they're so readable and Yolk I got a lot of like buzz this year it deserves mm -hmm. every every bit of it it's so good it made me kind of want to have a sister like it, it's beautiful and I think she writes women in a really interesting way so if you're looking for a YA novel that doesn't super read like a YA novel I recommend both of those books Okay, awesome. <laughs> next, <laughs> next. <laughs> I will say, so the most tears award I am giving to Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. Mm. Did you read that book? I have not read it, but like everyone I've worked with has read it me. and sung its praises. I know I need to read yeah. it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really great. Is it so sad? Yeah, of course. I cried so hard in the train when I read this. It is about Michelle Zahner of the band um, Japanese Breakfast. Um, oh, I, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Who um, I believe I think I'm saying the right band. Yeah, yeah. Who um, it was nominated for a Grammy this year. I'm pretty sure. But she writes about the journey she had with her mother being diagnosed with cancer. And so, yeah, it's sad, but it is really um genius. So you know, everyone's talked about it, but it really does deserve all of that hype. Um, 
And then I also put, <laughs> I don't know how many I should get through of these. So you tell me when I should stop. But <laughs> I gave the most unhinged award to the Days of Abandonment by Alana uh, Ferranti, which, you know, look at our past podcast and you'll see why. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it deserves it deserves every bit of that. I had a good time. Um, Amazing. How many more do you have before your winner? I have one, two, three. Okay. Oh, actually four. Sorry, four. <laughs> okay, I have seven runner-ups to get to. So I'll so, do a few so of those and then we'll toss it back to you. Yes. Amazing. Okay, here's where I started ranking things. But even as I look at it now, I'm like, did I put them in the right order? I don't know. We'll never know. So stressful. It's also really hard to compare nonfiction and fiction to me because they're doing such different things. And I feel like it's hard to rank fiction in general. Yeah. Because it's so... Hmm. Um, but Six Winter Up uh, is the book that did come out this year, Whore of New York by Liara Rue. Do you know this book? Have you heard of it? <laughs> no, actually. Okay. It's really good. I had never heard of this person. Um... But the book came into the store and I was like, what a title. It has an awesome cover of them just kind of lounging with kind of silver hair. And I'm forgetting what pronouns they use right now. So I'm sticking with the neutral they. Um, mm -hmm. But it's basically just about their life growing up in like a pretty well-to-do, uptight, Upper East Side household, how their pain and like constant migraines were constantly just tossed to the side where their little brother was like oh our sweet little baby boy just kind of their time growing up their experience in college and then they're getting into sex work which is not a perspective that like i have read much on i don't know if i've like written anything read anything like any kind of book written by a sex worker so i was like okay this is a new perspective that like i totally don't have and they just wrote about it so well because i feel like too often you hear people go just like oh like i could never do that but like good for you like i could never i just like respect myself too much or like some bullshit like that or like that's the mm -hmm. subtext at least and just the way they speak about it and like how they're coming at it they're like yeah like it can be a very therapeutic thing like plenty of the clients i meet they just want a hug they just want someone to talk to like Plenty of them want sex and like, that's fine. And they're mm -hmm. totally willing to do that. But from the lens of like, I, I can make you feel good. And I would like to do that for you. And that's mm -hmm. like, sex work is just so stigmatized and it should not be because the more stigma we have around it, the less safe it is, which is not mm -hmm. good. Yeah. I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really good book. It was one I read entirely at work. I really loved it. Yeah. That's my sixth runner-up. Fifth runner-up is the novel Animal, which also came out this year by Lisa Taddeo, I think is how you say her name. She also wrote Three Women, which is a nonfiction book that I haven't read, but I heard it's very good. Basically this 30-something woman, she was living in New York. She sees something really traumatic and she's like, I'm gonna run away to California. And so then she runs away and she's like, who am I? What's going on? I'm so mad all the time. Maybe I suck. I don't know. I just thought it was really good. And she gets to be so angry. And I like that. More and more angry women, <laughs> more angry women being allowed to be ugly and a mess and wrong. More anti-hero women. So yes. really liked that. Yeah. Um, and I'll do my third runner up here. 
my sorry, my fourth runner up. It was an essay collection slash memoir called Well, This is Exhausting by Sophia Benoit, who I only know because I follow her on Twitter. And she's great yeah. on Twitter. Very funny. I saw she was coming out with a book. And I was like, okay, I'll read it. Because for a while now, she's been doing an advice column, maybe with GQ. I think it was with GQ at some point or something similar. Yeah. And I read a few of those and I was just like, I really like the way she's looking at relationships. And like, not that she's that much older than either of us. I think she's in like mm -hmm. her late 20s now, maybe. But I just thought it was really fun. It was lovely to read a memoir written by someone like relatively close to my age who not that we grew up exactly the same but grew up just like with that perfectionist like mentality all, while also dealing with or not dealing initially with a bunch of internalized misogyny being like i'm gonna be a cool girl i'm gonna be so chill i'm not even yeah. gonna care about anything because only freaks and idiot girls they care too much they'll be care all over <laughs> treat me like shit that's what's cool about me um, yeah <laughs> and her realizing like throughout her life she's like i'm not cool i'm not chill i never was and that's fine <laughs> and i just felt so seen by it i was like sophia <laughs> i really liked it and now i have three left before my winner so i pass it back to you okay wonderful thank you thank you thank you thank you okay great <laughs> so let's see so my um biggest surprise is uh goes to real life by brandon taylor um actually i gave two books this uh this award so real life by brandon taylor is about a young man who's going to college in a midwestern town he's a young black man and all of his colleagues are white and it's about him navigating those relationships and like how there's sometimes violence within them how so there's sometimes kindness and it's just him navigating that and I, it was really just lovely i didn't know what to expect I just kind of put it on hold to the library and picked it up and I really was enjoying it. So I recommend it and I can't wait to read his other book this year. The other one that I give for biggest surprise is how much of these pills are gold. And I don't remember the name of the author. I don't know why I didn't write it down, but I mean, it's a memorable title. There's no other book with that title. <laughs> it's about, um, it's like a Western, which is not, I don't even know why I purchased it. Like it's really not a genre I would get into. It's about, two young Chinese American children who are navigating the death of both their mother and father. And they're navigating like their relationship and gender and just like everything surrounding that. And I don't know, I found it really like the descriptions of the landscape that they were exploring, first of all, gorgeous. Um, I haven't felt that moved by like that description of nature since um, the book the new wilderness that, that i read mm -hmm. last year so i recommend both of those like in tandem if you like that sort of thing they're just like really rich descriptions of the landscape and also just like i don't read that kind of perspective very often i thought it was lovely and i was like so shocked by it so recommend that awesome um, i looked at that author real quick it is c yeah. pam zhang thank you so much yes it's yeah. i don't know why i didn't write it down um yeah and then i read a lot of romance novels this year um and i said that my best romance novel that I read was Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. Hmm. All three of the books in this series, they're amazing. I think they're lovely. They're just like such fun reads. They're not boring though. I don't feel like they're dumbed down in any way, which I guess is a stereotype, but 
I had always heard that that would be the case with romance. And I, I'm surprised to learn that that's not the case at all, especially <laughs> with these books. I like all of them quite a bit. The second one, it focuses on the three brown sisters. The second one is the middle sister who um, works as a professor in a school. And she has her guard up a lot with relationships and she um, falls for this guy who is a very stoic a bodyguard. And it's just really fun. I, <laughs> I couldn't recommend it more. Um, yeah, and then my last category before my favorite, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm withholding one category because I know you're going to talk about the book. So I'll, okay. I'll, I'll tell you when we get there. So yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, my, the other um, category, which is like the, the author I'm most excited about um, coming into this next year is Bolu Babalola. She wrote a book called Love and Color. It's a, a fiction anthology of a bunch of just like short romance stories. All of the all of the people in the romances are black. So, you know, she's exploring like different um, myths and like legends with these characters, sometimes in a modern day, sometimes not. And yeah, it was just cool. You know, like, I, I don't know, I've seen some of the most representation and maybe it's just because of what I'm choosing, but I, I see the most diversity and um, like representation of different like abilities and races and like genders in romance novels. Again, I don't know if it's just what I'm choosing, but it's really cool and also it was a killer book and she's coming out with more romance novels I know in the coming years. So really excited about that. Awesome. I'm glad yeah. you're gassing up the romance genre for me. Cause that is still <laughs> something that like I've done so much to undo the internalized misogyny and try not to yeah. be like that. But still that's something where I'm like, like why would I read that? I that's not a real book. That's not a good book. So I'll have to check some of those out so I can stop being if like you, that. And Right. And like something that I think helped me is I was like, you know what? I watch rom-coms. I watch like chick flicks and I think those are fun. And I think they're great. But why do I have such an issue with that genre when it comes to books? And it's mm -hmm. like, I once I took it away, I had way more fun. So That's good. <laughs> See, I just realized in the past few months that I love a rom-com. And I was like, yeah. why have I been holding this back for myself? It's so fun. But I, I apparently still had some of that uh, smart women don't have feelings like a smart woman could never be in love <laughs> what didn't know that was still there but we're working on it exposure <laughs> therapy <laughs> yes <laughs> okay back to my list we have the third runner-up a people's history of the united states by howard zen so good basically he takes every single chapter and looks at a point in american history but not through the lens of a rich white man through the lens of uh, like the native peoples who were displaced through the lens of, I don't know, a woman, just all these different <laughs> groups who like do not get their due, especially in like, at least in my public school history education, it was a very narrow mm -hmm. view. So I thought that book was super good. It is long, but I think the chapters individually are like short enough that it's doable. And I think it's just good. It's well done. Uh, my second runner-up, I have to go with The Factory by Hiroko Oyamada, which is originally, I mean, it's a Japanese book, I think that came out like mm -hmm. 2013 in Japanese, in Japan, and then was translated and published, I think, by Europa Editions? No, it was by New Directions. That doesn't matter. 
Um, <laughs> I'm just a little book nerd knowledge for you. Uh, I know two small <laughs> presses, and they are Europa editions, which I don't know if that counts as small anymore because they do all of Elena Ferrante stuff. Right, I was gonna say, I'm like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. but like, it's not yeah. Penguin Random House. It's not Harper right, Collins. Yeah. It's not Simon and Schuster. Anyway, flex. <laughs> flex. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Someone at work recommended this to me, and it is, it's a short book, I think it's under 200 pages, and it alternates between three different narrators who all work at the factory. Now, what is the factory? That's, that's a good question. It seems to be so big that it's the size of a city. There's a giant bridge in the middle of it to go to the other side of the factory. We never quite figure out what the factory is or what any of them are doing. But it just, it's just kind of like, I don't know if surrealist is the right, right word, but you're like, what's going on here? Like something's off. And it felt like a real look at our current like capitalism working culture where you're like, I'll show up and work every day. Like one woman, her, yeah. all the people we look at have different jobs. One woman is just shred paper all day. That's her job. Show yeah. up, shred paper. And she's like, okay i can i have a degree but i can shred paper i guess i don't know one guy he is like a researcher at some university and they're like oh my god you're perfect for this come over here and make us a green roof and he's like i'm not really qualified for that like you could probably outsource like i don't know why you're asking me and they're like don't worry about it doesn't matter how long it takes just walk around the factory collect all the moss you want and he was like oh, okay he's like well mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not gonna get this done anytime soon. And they're like, does it matter? And you're like, what? what's happening? Like, why are they throwing yeah. money away at this man who's telling them not to? Yeah. And the other person just copy edits random pieces of paper that come in to his office. And he's like, okay, what does the factory do? Like, what are all, what is all, what do all these papers have to do with each other? And one of his coworkers in that department is like, oh, it doesn't matter what we do. And he's like, well, what if we miss something important? And she's like, the same stuff circles back around, and sometimes it's worse than when you had it before. And you're like, what? <laughs> and it's just this kind of like off kilter. I, I thought it was fascinating. And I just got yeah. her other book out of the library called The Hole. Um, oh, God. <laughs> right? <laughs> it actually has a really lovely cover. They both do. See this? It's just Lamb to Grass. Oh, yeah. Oh, lovely. That is lovely. And it's also yeah. super short, it's like 100 pages. Um, wow. yeah, I just think it's really cool. I'd never heard of this author. Yeah, it's really good. Something one of my coworkers was saying was that America does not seem to have the same literary tradition of novellas as other countries do. Like, I definitely noticed that. Yeah, that is the main form. But in America, we're like, if it doesn't have 300 pages, it's not a book. I know. And I don't and know. Why we're like that. You know what? Sometimes some novels would be better served as novellas. I gotta be real with you. Absolutely. All. Like so many things <laughs> are way too long and yes, we could trim yes. them down. So I'd like Absolutely. to encourage everyone to find some novellas, especially some foreign ones. Yeah. Just reach out yeah. a little bit. Like and you for all of you writers. Pages. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for people who write, you know, I know everyone's like, write that novel, write that novella and then stop. Don't write anything else. We have Yeah. Ask yourself, does it need to be longer? Like, and then say, no, it does not. 
And then I'll answer it. No, <laughs> it does not need to it be doesn't. longer than you. Unless you are Donna Tart, it does not need to be longer. Unless you're Donna Tart, shut the fuck up, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like even Elena, like she put out the Neapolitan novels, but her other stuff, trim. She keeps it tight. Trim. Yeah, very tight. Yes. Even the Neapolitan novels, sometimes I'm like, they could have been shorter. It could have been shorter, but did I have so much fun in that world? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I'll allow it. Thank Same you. thing with Donna Tart. I'm like, girl, I'll read anything you write. You could go on forever just because I love the way she uses words. And I don't even know what she's doing that yes. gets yeah. me. But it's like Donna Tartt and Elena, they do something to me. <laughs> anyway, my first runner up who will assume the title should the winning book not be able to fulfill his or her duties, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. I love this book so much. It is all about sex and sexuality and like the mental side of it, the physical side of it, the emotional side of all of it. And I just thought it was really good. It's a great educational text and it's just a really good thing to read if you're like, am I normal? Please tell me I'm normal. Like, am I a little ugly freak? <laughs> What's going on? Ah, because there, there is no standard of sex education in this country and it leaves all of Not us flailing all. around in a bad way. Um, mm -hmm. It is specifically written for cis women. Um, mm -hmm. Like the anatomical stuff is only focusing on vaginas, vulvas, all that jazz. But it, she also does get into how women typically like obviously gender's just a big joke we made up um but it can be said that like statistically women typically like need this and this and this in a sexual or romantic relationship whereas men may need may have different things like obviously not a monolith but there's some of that there and she opens up right away to be like yeah like, this is a book specifically looking at from this perspective. Yeah. That's it. She's like, sex and gender are the same thing. I know that. For the purposes of this book, like, this is the language I'm going to be using to talk about it. I just thought it was really good. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Loved it. Wow. Wow. And now, before we announce our big winners, let's do a little look back in time. I, after I graduated high school, I started writing down every single book I have read. So I reviewed my notes and I picked a I picked a best book for every year if I had not already picked one. My favorite book of 2017, How to Weep in Public by Jacqueline Novak. I love it. It's so funny. She's just talking about her depression and why it's bad, but also pretty funny. And I'm like, Jacqueline, girl. <laughs> it's good. I have since reread it. Love it. She's also a stand-up comedian. Wonderful woman. Um, my topic of 2018. Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Great book. I've heard good things about that one. Yeah. It's definitely long, and I would not recommend reading it how I did, which is just getting it from the library and being like, ah, I have to read this really quick. Like, I right, right. pick it up. She just looks, it's been a while since I read it, but she looks at all these different um, fables and stories and myths and kind of just looks at them through a feminist lens and be like, okay, what can we learn from this specific story? What is the story telling us? I don't know. I thought it was very interesting. I have a copy if you ever want to borrow it. I do. <laughs> um, 2019, this was a tough call for me, but I decided the best book I read that year was Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoevsky. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> 
Okay. I love that it's just like a woman, a woman, old dead Russian man, a woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was like my Spotify wrapped, which was like four <laughs> pop girlies in a row and then Steely Dan. And I was like, sure. <laughs> Why not? And my 2020 book of the year, I had not been giving book of the year awards, but as soon as I read this book, I said, this is the book of the year. I don't care what I read yeah. after this. This is the book of the year. And know my name by Chanel Miller. That was my book of the year. My 2020 book of the year. Book of the year. You know what? I was going to say, I thought you read it this year. I was surprised. I thought you were going to say it was your favorite. Oh, now what a curveball. That was my favorite memoir of the year. And the only reason it's that my favorite book of the year is because it's amazing, but it's also very hard to read. I found. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I didn't enjoy it, but I also would die for Chanel Miller. I would, on the record, I would die for Chanel Miller. Chanel, if you're listening, if you need anything. <laughs> if you need anything, call me. <laughs> I am there. Yeah, she's amazing. And Wonderful book. It's, it's such a good book. It's so nice to have this kind of perspective, not just of this horrible thing happened to me and now my life is forever altered, because of course that, but also looking yeah. into how our justice system deals with that and how drawn out and awful that whole process was. Like that is what oh, sticks sure. with me. And as part of what made the assassination yeah. of Fred Hampton, like that kind of same thing where you're like, oh my God, I thought the judicial system was good. It's not, it's really bad. No, and that in tandem with like, our prison's obsolete. I read yeah. like, yeah, you know, like I read Asada this year as well, which I didn't really give an award for nonfiction. That one would have been there, you know, like it, it even though it's not meant to be like a political book, I felt like it in a way was one just because it's like, yeah, this doesn't work. It's not worth it. What can we do to get rid of this? Like it's yeah, this poor woman, like who has done so many wonderful things with her life and went through this horrible experience. Like it's crazy. Get rid of it. Burn it all down. Yeah. And to then like <laughs> find myself being like, get a conviction, put them in jail forever. And then I'm yeah. like, okay, but why, what's jail going to do? Like, yeah. Do exactly. I, is that, like, how is that, is that really good? Helpful? Exactly. Yeah, because like yeah. ultimately yeah. what I want from our justice system is at the bare minimum an acknowledgement of wrongdoing and it can't even do that. It can't do that. It can't do that. So then what is justice? And I think yeah. that that book, like, and I was on that journey before it had started long before, but like yeah. reading that book, I was like, yeah, so what is justice? And what is justice for me as someone who yeah. has not been through that, but has been through other things that, you know, I would consider myself a survivor from like, what is justice for me personally? That doesn't yeah. involve the judicial system. Yeah. 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 That book changed my life. <laughs> I was like, Anna doesn't bring it up. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, literally one of my favorite books I've ever read. I hope if she wants to write more books, like I'll read them. And like I admire her so much and Chanel. it really, <laughs> Chanel, if you're, uh, if you're listening, if you're listening, Chanel, you're so beautiful and talented. You're a wonderful artist. Her is having, so good. Your your mural in Chinatown is beautiful. I was having um, a pineapple bun uh, in September of this year, and I saw your mural, and I thought, she's everywhere. I want to be her friend. <laughs> we should know. go to the mural together. <laughs> we should. <laughs> <Virtual>. um, <laughs> and, like, maybe this is not, like, a cute thing of me to say, but, like, reading it, I figured... I don't know. I had I had high hopes. I had high expectations. But also, you know, I feel like nowadays a lot of people, 
not that it's easy to get a book deal, but like if you have some buzz around mm -hmm. you, you can probably get a book deal. Like someone will probably yeah, want yeah. that. From you. If you have a popular yeah. Twitter account, you can probably get a book deal. That does not mean the book will be good. But yeah. reading this, I was like, not only it's like sh this book is so good, not just because something bad happened to her. Like that yeah, is not yeah. what makes this book She's good. Like it is so writer. well written. Yeah. Like it yeah. is amazingly done. It is so honest and painful. And I, I cannot yeah. sing its praises enough. I agree. If she if she wrote fiction that had nothing to do with her life at all, like I would read it too. Like she's no, I'd be so curious yeah. to see what that looked like. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Because exactly. I didn't even, I don't think I even realized I had that expectation that I was like, oh, maybe she just had some buzz. She, uh, yeah. she wrote her like victim impact statement that went pretty viral. Like when it was posted to Buzzfeed, yeah. I think. Like maybe that's why. Yeah. But like she had the shit to back it up. Like this is such. It's such a good book. Yeah, I can't it's be understated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, if you're a woman and something bad has happened to you and you are in a place where you can read a book like this, yeah, I would totally recommend that. And and I would and I would also stress that you're in a place that you can do it because I did like I had to stay up till like three a.m. like three nights in a row because I like couldn't. It really like wrecked me in a good way. Like I'm, I'm happy I experienced it. I don't know if I can read it again anytime soon. Yeah. I assume I will at some point. But yeah, if you can, if you feel like you you're, you can welcome like that kind of healing energy, please do it. Yeah, and if you don't feel like you're in a place for that, there is nothing wrong with that. If you yeah. never feel like you're in that place to read this book, that's fine. I, I just don't want people to- Recommendations, okay? So like, stop complaining, okay? <laughs> we, we recommend you so many fun books, all right? So we give you- You have so many options. <laughs> All right, I am ready to announce my topic of the year. Who wants to go first? You, I've been talking I'm again a lot, first. so you go first. No. So here's the thing. I'm a little nervous because when you sent me the, the list of the books both of us had read, this book is actually on the list both of us has read and you have not mentioned it once. And so I'm, I'm a little insecure. Okay, that is, the only reason I have not mentioned it yet is because the list of books we both read is at the bottom of my Google document. <laughs> That's the only reason. It's not because I don't want to talk about them because I do. <laughs> okay. All right. So my favorite book of the year was the third book I read this year, and it is Luster by Raven Leilani. <laughs> I love that book. I don't really know why. I thought it was, I love <laughs> watching a woman in collapse. I really love, like, she's so smart. She's so pretty. Like, but she's making a lot of choices that I think are questionable from page one. <laughs> I thought it was really, really funny. I thought it had something to say. Like, I really was like, I wanted to know, like, I wanted to get to the meat of it. I I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I kept wanting to know more. It's about a woman who is in her mid-20s and she is seeing, she's a Black woman. She's seeing this white man. She finds out, I mean, actually, wow, it's crazy when you talk about books you haven't read in a while. It's like, what actually happened to this book? Yeah. <laughs> but basically she um she's um like through a turn of events starts like this kind of like quasi weird friendship with the wife of mm -hmm. this man that she's been seeing and she lives in the house with the wife and their adopted daughter and it's just a crazy bananas dynamic i think it's so fun <laughs> i also did read this book because it came on such high recommendation from you and i yeah. did like it i did not love it I <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's you know when you listen to like a new album or a new song and you're like 
all right. But then you listen to it 10 more times and you're like, I, this is everything to me. I feel like that's what I need. Like maybe if I, I think if I reread it, I could get more into it. It's also, I I will say, yeah, that's true. I mean, I can really see it being a book where you either get it or it's okay, you know? And I think for me, it just really hit in a way that I was like, yeah, this rocks. And truly (laughs) I didn't get, I didn't get a feeling the rest of the year. And I read amazing books because of my policy. I read really good books this year, but all throughout the year, I was like, you know, nothing really kept me on my toes like Luster. So Luster is my book of the year. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a long year. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And now for the long awaited, my book of the year. The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Oh my god. <laughs> Have you read it? <laughs> no, because it's so long. <laughs> okay. No, it's not. It's not that long. <laughs> it's within arm's reach of me. This is not that long of a book, Natalie. I know. I don't know. Something about a nonfiction book that is a little bit thick makes me nervous. But I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Let me pull something out at you um all of this do you see all of this this is not the book this is all the sources (laughs) so it's really only this big okay yeah you know what fine I'll tackle it it's like three it's 358 pages of like book book and then some other stuff basically this guy Bessel I don't I feel like that's probably not how you say his name he's from I don't know some country where's he from I really made an effort to like pronounce people's names correctly and like give them respect, except for Bessel, because I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel fine. like we this get each other. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Like, I but he's from, oh, where are you from? You know what? It doesn't say. He lives in Boston. That, this is not a man from Boston. That's not a Boston name. Anyway, besides the point. Anywho. He, <laughs> he is one of the like leading researchers and uh psychiatrists yeah he gives people drugs well yeah one of the leading researchers <laughs> and psychiatrists in the field of trauma he's like been doing this work for decades and just looks at it he talks about his research throughout the years all these things he's learned and then gets into various therapies that are specifically meant to help people who have lived through traumatic events that mm-hmm. are typical like cognitive behavioral therapy or like dialectical behavioral therapy aren't really built to do but those are the most popular and like widespread easiest to get kinds yeah, of yeah. mental health care in this country sure. and he just really gets into how trauma is very serious it can look like a bunch of different things and it literally does change the way like your brain and your body work and the way that know my name is a difficult book to read. This also has its very difficult moments. He talks about a lot of patients throughout the years and the horrible stuff they've experienced and mm-hmm. like the treatments that did not work at all, they tried for years, and the stuff that like finally helped them get better and why. And it just felt like kind of affirming in that way. It's like, look, mm-hmm. you are not alone in this. Like if really bad stuff happens to you, you're often forever changed and that is normal. That is like scientifically, Mm. that's what happens. And like, so first of all, let's get that out of the way. And like kind of the same thing with come as you are. Like it's just like, hey, here's what's going on. No one else is talking about it. So I will, 
you're normal and everything's okay. Let me like affirm and lift you up so you can live like a better life and not hate yourself as much. Um, <laughs> as much. <laughs> hate yourself the normal appropriate amount. <laughs> I just thought it was such a good book. And he kind of, he talks for a bit about how he has beef with the DSM, which if you don't know, if your brain working good, you probably don't know, but the DSM is basically <laughs> the big book of your brain's fucked up whoopsie. So it's like all the different kind of mental health diagnoses and then the symptoms, the blah, blah, blah of them. And he's like, for years, we've been trying to get just like a general, I forget exactly how what he calls it, but just a general like traumatized kind of disorder or whatever you want to call yeah. it into the DSM so then it can start getting money and respect and research put behind it and then insurance companies will give a fuck and be like hey this is a real yeah. thing see it's in the DSM we're gonna help these people now and he's like and the DSM won't do it something that I thought yeah. was particularly interesting is when he talked about children he's like we have all these diagnoses we give to young children and it's like okay are we actually looking at the root of the problem or the symptoms like, do they, do they have a behavioral disorder or were they, like, assaulted as a child? Like, did they have a horrible sure. home life? Like, there are all these different things that that, maybe that's the root of the issue. And so, like, mm -hmm. solving, like, their attention issues, solving them being aggressive, like, that's not the root of the issue, so it's not a great solution. Right. That makes sense. I, yeah, it's just obvious yeah. he knows what he's talking about and really cares about doing this work and i think it's a really good book yeah yeah oh my god what a what a classic and surprising top pick i actually wasn't expecting you to say that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why wait okay but our shared books of the year i'm i was laughing so hard we both read seth rogan's yearbook we did both <laughs> read seth rogan's yearbook and you know what i really enjoyed that book i, I thought, thought it was, was really good i'm not gonna lie it was great right it was good yeah you know what <laughs> yeah the books we had in common um i think there were there were only six that we both read the same year though i think there were yeah. like three or four that you read this year that i'd read before including know my name mm -hmm. The books we both read this year, The Vanishing Half by Brett Bennett. So good. <laughs> Luster by Raven Leilani. Somebody's Daughter by Ashley C. Ford. Can we take a second yes. for Somebody's Daughter? Somebody's Daughter was great. I love Somebody's Daughter. It was so good. It was Another so good. one there... ripped me to shreds, put me back together. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, I honestly, the only critique that it's not even negative about the book is that I, I felt like it was too short mm, <laughs> i know we yeah. just told people to write shorter books but not ashley seaford you <laughs> should write longer books um yeah because that was great and there are whole chapters that were just perfect of that book i thought it was just yeah no notes <laughs> no notes and i'm always a little like hesitant to read a memoir by just some person because I'm like, okay, who are you? What do I, what do I give a shit about it? <laughs> to be fair, um, I've been following Ashley for years. So to oh, me, I had no idea who person. she was. <laughs> That's on me. That's a personal failing. Sorry. Um, I didn't know who she was, She's but really I'm cool. so glad I read it. It was so good. Another, <laughs> I feel like you can really see a theme in the books that really resonate with us. 
I know. I'm I'm dead. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> and next on the list we have In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Yes. Yeah, that book was haunting. It was very, very good. Another we like dark books. <laughs> we do like dark books. People come into the store and they're like, I'm looking for a fun read. I was like, don't look at me. Because I think I back and I'm like, everything is a woman who's upset. Every book I read and enjoy is a woman who's having a hard time. I I love that though. <laughs> so whatever. I do no, love that. Yeah, but in the in the dream house is a masterpiece. I I don't even know how to talk about it, but it's it, you should read it. <laughs> Whoever you are. Yeah, I mean, like basically, it is a memoir, a reflection on her time in an abusive lesbian relationship but the formatting is very different. I've never seen a book formatted like this where every mm -hmm. section kind of looks at it from a different lens or a different genre or a different way of writing that really gave it a wonderful momentum. I think I read it in like a day or yeah. two because I was yeah, like, me too. yeah, it just really yeah. pulls at you. Yeah. It's so good. There's like a chapter that's a choose your own adventure and you're like, oh my God, a choose your own adventure. I'm going to have fun with this one. But the trick is you never get out of the adventure. It's about the cycle of abuse and how you're like, I'm going to leave this time. And then you don't because it's really hard. And yeah. it just keeps going. I was like, ah! I know. I was trying to get out of it for like a while. And I was like, I got to just move on. <laughs> yeah, because like at the end, I think your options are like, like if you're going to leave, go to this page. If you're going to stay in the relationship, go to this page. And then if you go to like the, I'm going to leave this relationship, you flip to it and it's like, no, you're not. You're lying to yourself. You're kidding yourself. Yeah. Go back to the beginning. And you're like, like, that is the part that I remember the most. That it was just. Yeah. I remember that too. Yeah. And like, I have no experience like that, thankfully, but just it, it really took something that I feel like we all know, like abusive relationships exist. They're really horrible and it's really hard to leave them for various reasons. It took that, which has become just kind of like a, a thing we all know, a thing we all say and really personalized it and like blew it up. And it, it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. Next on the list, yearbook by Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it, it <laughs> In was the theme of really good. We have. <laughs> Do you know what kind of, you have to be really comfortable with yourself to request that from the library and I'll stand by it. I was like, I feel a little weird requesting that from the library. I don't know why. I, I don't know why either. I felt nothing about it. I was, I really? really felt fine. Yes. Really? I don't know. I just, I think for me, like a celebrity memoir is like, I don't know. It's just a little strange, but it really was good. And I am a fan I of it. I love so, celebrity you know? memoirs. Do you really? I should I love celebrity memoirs. I'll read it this year. Huh? Hmm. I'll read more this year. Yeah, I really haven't. So yeah, I should. <laughs> I just think they're really fun. Like, um, in 2020, I read Steve Martin's memoir about like his early comedy career. And I was like, this is so fascinating. Well, I've like, heard amazing things about that one. So it's really I, yeah. good. I listened to the audiobook. It's pretty short. I listened to one of Mindy Kaling's memoirs. Love it. You know what? Wait, I read that too. Huh? Maybe I do read celebrity memoirs. Maybe you're a liar. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think this year I'm going to work on my my weird shame around it. Who knows? I did enjoy your book by Seth Rogen. And isn't, didn't we read another celebrity memoir in common, Rachel Bloom? We did read Rachel Bloom. So yeah. I want to say like one more thing about Seth Rogen's book, though. Yeah, yeah. Like at first I look at this and I go, okay, like why is Seth Rogen writing a memoir? And then I remember it. I was like, Anna, he writes 
all his movies, the man knows how to write. <laughs> he is he is a writer. Like, that's he very true. Is a writer. Yes. And that's something like I don't know much about him. I've seen him here and there. But I was like, oh my god, he wrote all these movies. Like he can do this. And I yeah. thought it was a really funny memoir. It was great. It was very funny. It made me laugh loud. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And now on to I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are. By Rachel Bloom. I loved that book. I thought that was actually that one made me laugh really hard. But I'm a big Crazy Ex-Girlfriend fan. I quite like that show. I know you I, do too. So I I yeah. love her so much. I made Sarah watch the whole show. She liked it. She didn't think she would because she's a little stick in the mud when it comes to musicals. But she got on board fast. Um, yeah. I love and admire Rachel Bloom so much. I think Rachel Bloom, like, has done so much important stuff with her show and it was I think this was a really wonderful like follow-up venture to that yeah me too I just loved it so much she's just like I'm a little freak here's all my horror stories of growing up uh here I am yeah also someone who is very good at genre as well like she when she took kind of situations in her life and turned them into like like when she turned into like a Harry Potter fanfic or like I'm trying yeah. to think of examples. She's very good at that as well. She so. turned one into and a I mean, musical that then if you like yes. went to the website, you can listen to the whole little play. Yeah, like, it was so very fun. fun. <laughs> and yeah. I, I love stuff like that. Like for a few years now, I've been super interested in like the form of art mm -hmm. and like, is there a way to fuck with the form, to take it apart, to twist it around? That's more interesting than just da -da 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 -da, just like chronological. This is what happens. Like, this is what a book is, this is what a movie is, this is what a dance is. I don't know. I think that's super interesting. I wouldn't, I'm not saying this is like a postmodern piece. No, but I was like, like, whoa, bold claims over here <laughs> for this celebrity memoir. For the celebrity memoir genre. But I thought it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, it was very fun, yes. I and I just admire good. and respect Rachel Bloom so much. And I'm, yes. like, eager to see what she continues to create. Mm -hmm. I had two special mentions, just two call-outs to a couple books that had an important impact on my life. To Mary Oliver's collection of poems, Evidence. Oh, Evidence is so good, yes. It got me off of Twitter, and I thank it for that. Thank you, Mary Oliver's Evidence. Thank you. <laughs> I was reading evidence, evidence at, like, midnight one night on my bed. She writes these beautiful nature poems. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And then I deleted Instagram. I deleted Twitter. <laughs> and I have since gotten Instagram back, basically just like for career reasons. Like I need to be there. I need to see what's going on and be seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was like, Twitter you. is not going to do that for me. And that was a big impact in my life. <laughs> I just got a big book of her poetry for Krishmish. And I'm very excited to read it. Yes. And to another book that really helped me this year. I mentioned it earlier. What I talk about when I talk about running by Haruki Murakami. It's so good. He is mainly known, at least by me, as like a novelist writing IQ84. That's him, right? Right? Um, oh. Let me double check before I sound like the dumbest person in the world. Um, he did write IQ84. He wrote Norwegian Wood, Kafka on the Shore, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicles. Oh, this guy. Yes. This guy. Yes. This sure. guy. Yes. He has a million books. I, like, know him as a novelist. Um, he mm -hmm. did just put out a book this year about his t-shirt collection. 
begging the question who asked um yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um but like one of my coworkers is a really big fan of his and he had heard that i was training for a half marathon last year and was like oh you should read murakami's book on like his marathon journey because this man for decades has run a marathon like every year and now he's in his 70s yeah. so i don't know what's going on anymore but i loved it so much it was basically just kind of a series of journal entries entries as he prepared for the new york marathon one year and i thought it was really good i i at the time of reading was training for my own half marathon and i was like yeah we're doing it <laughs> you and me murakami <laughs> That's like me right now. <laughs> I'm doing half of that and I'm half your age. So we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's something I think he was like quoting or referencing someone else who said pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And I have not stopped thinking about that. Because hmm. I don't I don't know if I think that's true in life in general. But like, yeah, I was going to say, I have to think about that one. Oh, I want to think, but when we're like specifically for my half marathon training, mm, like okay, if you're running, sure. if you're doing any kind of endurance sport at a certain point, it becomes like 90% mental. Like you've physically mm. trained your body. It matters where your brain is at and the story you are telling yourself. Because if for mile one, you're like, fuck, why did I think I could do a half marathon? You're going to have the worst day of your life. But if you keep mm -hmm. the story positive, even if you're like, oh my God, my knee hurts, what's going on? Like, do we have to suffer about it though? You know, can we just be like, uh, yeah, you just be like, okay, my neck's a little weird today, whatever. I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep moving. And I found that super duper helpful in my training and my race. Yeah. And honestly, I don't talk about the fact that I did a half marathon enough. I did that shit. And it was one of the greatest days of my life. I had so much fun. I had so much fun. <laughs> I ran for two hours. Are you going to do for another one this year? No. Uh -uh. no. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, no way. Actually, never. No, no, no way. Um, yeah, that is, that's the last of my notes. Oh my God. The year in books. That was exciting. It's year funny because there were books I, I just couldn't talk about that I really did love, but I, I think all around I had a very fun reading year. Yeah. Have you and ended your ban? You've ended your ban on male authors, correct? I've ended it, but it's, you would be surprised how easy it is to avoid male authors. You would. <laughs> you really would. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I really, I don't have any desire. <laughs> but yeah, Real Life by Brandon Taylor. And I'm trying to think if, did I read anything else? Yes, Yearbook by Seth Rogen. Water. Yearbook by Seth Rogen and Open Water, which is really good. Open Water deserves, deserves a mention. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't think anyone else. I think most of the men I read ended up being nonfiction, which was interesting and probably yeah. tells some kind of story that I don't want to unpack right now. We don't have time to get now. into, but yeah. You don't have to get into that. Um, it'll be, it's interesting to think about. I remember, I think a few years ago, you just said, I just don't really have any interest in reading anything a man's written. I just don't have any interest in it, so, I'm, so I won't do it. And I was like, what a power <laughs> play like this. <laughs> this be so confident. I'm just totally interested in it, so done and then you held to it i was like okay. I, I would like to think that in that moment i was joking but also my actions suggest that i really wasn't and i don't think it, it was i don't think you were i don't think but you have to soften thing, it like, but i've come around like i i mean not 
in a big way, <laughs> but in a small way, I've come around. Like, for example, like uh, while I didn't really read any books by men this year, I did watch the entirety of Mad Men. So, you know, it's like give, take, push, pull. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, you know, <laughs> we'll see. I, I think we'll back see to myself a few years ago when my favorite authors were Kurt Vonnegut, Douglas Adams, Oscar Wilde. And I stand by all those picks. I think they are all amazing. Yeah. And they all, they all do something to me. They hit me in a certain way. Um, like every Vonnegut book I've ever opened up and read just feels like I'm slipping into a warm bath. Like it feels like I'm home. It feels amazing. He has his own, he has his problems to be sure. He, he's never met a woman clearly, sure. but I don't know. And now like present day, I'd say my favorite author is Donna Tartalena Ferrante. Yeah. And I like, I've definitely been, I, there was a conscious choice when I was like, I need to read by more women. I need to read by a more diverse group of women. I need to like bring that lens into everything I do. Cause if I am not conscious of the media I am picking out, it will default to just like a lot of white guys. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about just the book industry. I mean, you know better than me, but like, it's crazy what gets pushed to the front and you have to really seek it out. And that's why I was saying when I was talking about romance novels, I was like, it's so diverse. And then I was like, is it, or is that just me? Because I've kind yeah. of created this book world while I seek it out and I get excited about it right away. So I don't know, but, but with that said, the romance novels I recommended are top tier and they're great. So. <laughs> and one more thing to close us off today. I found yes. out that Dolly Parton has a novel coming out written with none other than James Patterson. What? Oh, I'm reading that. Right. There's she no also was putting out an album to go along with the book. Oh my gosh. Multimedia queen. We're, we're reading this. Anyway, this is a different James podcast episode. So <laughs> everyone get ready. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'll read that. I, we should read that book yeah. together and be like, what is we this? Should. I'm excited. That's, that's, I don't have a lot to look forward to right now. That's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> See, I had known, I knew James Patterson wrote a book with Bill Clinton and I was like, uh, blog, blog. You're like messy. <laughs> Dolly Parton, angel. <laughs> uh, honestly, I was just like, what? Is anything real anymore? Also, I've I got I got beef with James Patterson. He's writing too many books. He's appealing to too many dads, and he should knock it off. He, I don't think he I writes know. his books. I, I was Sorry. at Barnes and Noble with my father picking out a novel, and he, my father, because he is a guy, gravitated towards the James Patterson section. I had to steer him away quite aggressively. I was like, no, yeah. and I made him purchase a book by a woman. So. <gasps> We'll book. see if I don't remember. I was it was blind, but it was defensive. I was like, "You're not buying James Patterson." <laughs> he just <laughs> grabbed a woman off the shelf. Here, anything, yeah. take this. <laughs> exactly. So we'll see if my dad liked it, and maybe it'll be on the, the pod next year if I'm invited back. But uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's 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 wrap it up. Um, <laughs> we, we talked. We talked enough. Let's call it. Let's call it. I like to end every episode by giving you the chance to do a little self promo and pick an art thing you would like to shout out. We've obviously done a million books. So if there's like a non book thing you want to give a little shout out to that you've been enjoying lately, this is your moment. I can go first if you need a second. Yes, I do need a second. So you go okay. first. Uh, if you would like to follow me anywhere, it's at Anna McSnail. I, my, te my Twitter's te technically still there, I have not touched it since October. But if I ever download it again, I should have like 100 new followers. So be one of those. 
The thing I have to recommend is this podcast I just started listening to called Dead Eyes by Connor Radliff. It's on the HeadGum Network, if you're familiar, the Jake and Amir Network. It's so good. It's basically like a little kind of investigative journalism podcast, but about why Connor Ratliff got fired from a small role in the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers in like 19, in like 2000 or 2001 by Tom Hanks, because as he was told, Tom Hanks saw his audition tape and thought that he had dead eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're in the third season now. You're like asking me, Anna, how could this go on for three three seasons? seasons. But I I feel like we're getting close to getting Tom Hanks on the podcast. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I'm really excited. It has so many like random celebrity and comedian cameos that that are so fun like seth rogan is a guest on the podcast he also auditioned for band of brothers and did not get it on the first episode he has on i'm blanking on her name but the woman who plays janet on the good place darcy carden darcy carden yeah darcy carden like they're friends and she's on it aparna on charlo is just on an episode um john ham is on an episode because they did a play together once oh it's so <laughs> sexy of him to be there right did i pitch it to you did i sell you on the podcast like ira glass is there and he's like what are you trying to get out of this podcast what's going on (laughs) wow that sounds amazing i hate podcasts but maybe i'll go i can't believe i'm on a podcast i'm like literally i hate them i don't really like them because i have a hard time listening to things of people talking but anyway um that sounds amazing it's super fun yeah because more than just like I got fired from my first big acting job out of school and that's horrible and made him like stop acting for a while because he's like, you know what, maybe I can't handle this. Yeah. (laughs) So then he stepped away, came back a few years later. Like more than that, it's a story about your failures because any person who's been like been trying to be an artist for a while has a bunch of failures and some that haunt them. And so he like talks to people about like their dead eyes moments. I just think it's really good. It has a lot of heart. It's very funny. So. I love to hear it um the thing i'm this is like not it's not like an underground choice it's not quite as niche as what anna just recommended but i also don't think it's getting enough attention and so i'm going to say it um everyone should watch barb and stars out of vista del mar have you heard of this movie i have heard of this movie it was just recommended to me on another podcast i listened to where yeah. they're like best movie of the year and i was like yeah i know truly in the theme of me reading things that actually bring me joy, this movie brings me such immense joy. It's about two middle-aged women who are from, I don't know, like the Midwest, and they decide to go to Vista del Mar to like find themselves. It's very funny. Jamie Dornan, you know, the one from Fifty Shades of Grey, has an incredible comedic performance. <laughs> the guy in it? Not to, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Good for him. It's it's incredible, and then you know everyone else in it is amazing too. Kristen Wiig is amazing as always. So I I, uh, I recommend it. It's it is a joyful time. It is truly so funny, and um, yeah, I love a flick. So get it's on Netflix. It. No, it's on Hulu. Hulu, awesome. Yeah, and anywhere you want people to see you. <laughs> I don't want anyone to see me at all. So Bye. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave the pod to find me on the internet i mean literally all my socials are my my name so it it won't be difficult but i'm gonna let you guys do some digging (laughs) i won't tag you in the con i won't tag you in the notes of the episode i'll leave it i'll leave it open let's let them search let's let them search i can't wait (laughs) i actually am kind of afraid of the internet so i can't wait (laughs) amazing well anna it's been a pleasure thank you for chatting with me about it's been a delight and an honor (laughs) 
<laughs> I'd like an honor. I think I know too much about your book history, but I can't wait for another year of this. <laughs> I think this should be our new thing. Every January, yeah, we so. convene. <laughs> yes, I think so. I think it's important. It's like a reset. <laughs> Amazing. Bye. Perfect. Bucks. <laughs>